3: a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am joined by Natasha Miko and Jim Orr for the Friday Bulletin. Natasha, you are back. How was your Christmas and New Year?
4: I am back. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been on here, so pleased to be back, pleased to join you guys. Looking forward to talking all things Celtic. But yeah, it was a, a lovely break. A busy one, but a very much enjoyable one.
3: Glad to hear that. And what about yourself, Jim? Are, are, what's the pace like for Jim Orr at Christmas and the New Year these days? Oh.
5: When you're retired, Paul, every day's a holiday. <laughs> Just, uh, all right. Festive season's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all very hectic all the time. If you're, if you're a busy person like myself, yeah, it's all very hectic. It's a it, nice, no, good fun, and uh, with a few good, good games to watch over the festive period. So, yeah, it's all good stuff.
3: We did. There's loads to talk about as well. On Christmas Day, the 12:30 show that went out on the channel was Your Good Self and Des, the star of Bend It Like Bertie. Tell us a wee bit
5: more. Get that plug in there. The now, Jim. Oh, well, good stuff. Bend It Like Bertie on five weeks' time, ninth of February to the 11th of February, starring the fantastic Des McLean. Uh, I think there's only balcony tickets left for the for the four performances. So tickets going pretty quick. So. The ideal Christmas present, even though Christmas is passed. But something wants to give you money, so there's something to spend your money on. Go for it. I like it.
3: Well done. And obviously, if you want to watch the interviews with Jim and Des, check them out on the channel on YouTube. Loads to talk about. We'll start off with that tagline. Natasha Celtic must act on Ibrox safety fears of our fans, players and staff. When I was chatting to JP, we spoke about not just the latest Ibrox fixture, but last season when Joe Hart was faced with uh, glass in the... In the box, we had a staff member who had to get stitches in the back of the head because a missile was thrown at him. we've got that feeding into the ticket allocation. Does it make it worse for Celtic fans in terms of the toxic atmosphere? What has to be done and by whom, in your opinion, Natasha?
4: I think there's a duty of care on a number of organisations. I mean, let's be clear about it. Fan safety at football games is absolutely paramount. Player safety is paramount. Staff safety is paramount. And everyone has an obligation to make sure that that is protected. Firstly, I think you've got to look at the the host club. They have (coughs) a duty of care towards the people who come into their stadium, be that fans or players, to make sure that it's a safe experience the police who are monitoring that game the stewards have a duty to make sure that people who enter that arena aren't in danger that isn't happening the club who are attending not the host club other club also then have to step up and assume some of the responsibility to make sure that their players staff fans are safe when they're ultimately either going out to do their job or going out to watch their team play football but for me so much of this has to come down to individual responsibility If you are going to a football game and putting some sort of miniature glass bottle, whatever missile you're choosing to take, into a football stadium with the sole intention of hurting another person, there's something very, very wrong with you. Um, And that doesn't matter what football team you support, there's something very, very wrong with you if you choose to do that. There are small glass bottles getting thrown into the Celtic section at Ibrox um, over at the weekend, and that is a section where there were children in. So, if you think that any society it's acceptable to do something like that, that says a lot about you. So, there is that personal responsibility you have to take there to be a decent human being, mm. and the people round about you have to call that out when you see it, when they see it, if they see it. Um, so, there is a whole collective responsibility from the clubs, from the police, from the individual fans that needs to be taken seriously if we're going to stamp this out, because this is a football game at the end of the day and you have to feel safe going on to support your team and I don't think that was the case at Ibrox.
3: Listen, you're right, it's a football game and the way that football is now marketed is completely different from let's say 42 years ago when um, there was a a massive riot at the Scottish Cup final, Jim, back in 1980, which resulted in the banning of alcohol, for example, from football stadiums. But things have changed so much since then, Jim, and mm. clubs are trying to make it more of an event where you take your kids and it's a family day out and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, when you see people getting their heads split open the way, missiles being thrown from the opposition crowd, it's not going to help anyone um, in their pursuit of making this
5: a family event, are they? I think if I was a lawyer, I'd have given the exact same answer as Nat- Natasha gave there. <laughs> uh, Funny I'll enough. be quite simple. Mine's like is like, a, a nutter's a nutter, basically. I mean, people who take things to games with intention of hurting people are just nutters. Mm-hmm. You know, and as Natasha said, it's individual people doing daft things, and that's always hard to legislate against. And I know that... You mentioned there about the image of the game and it's all kind of, you know, trying to sanitise things and, and whatever. I don't know if any of you have seen the Welcome to Wrexham docuseries. If you haven't, no, it's I, I've fantastic. Not seen that it's yeah. absolutely yeah. brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, uh, and it's Rob and Ryan Reynolds, and it's all touchy-feely and it's all really, really good. And and Wrexham, and, you know, I've, I've said in the past, I mean, they the Celtic seen things like we're a club at in the weather. Wrexham are a club at in the weather for, for, for lots of different reasons. Every club is a club out in the weather. Up to something like episode nine, it was all really kind of touchy-feely stuff. Isn't this great, this wee club? And episode 10 was The Hooligans. Right. And it showed the some intercity, what were they called? And it was a horrible episode. It was a nasty episode. So it's always there. And you can't legislate against that. And we are talking to some of the people who were involved in this. And one of them is going out with a cop. there was someone who was trying to be a cop but couldn't get in because her boyfriend was a, was a nutter, basically. You know, so... But that was the episode. You think things brought back home. Thing. Oh yeah, that's actually it's football we're dealing with now. It's not some glitzy Hollywood thing. It's football, and that's what you get. At football, you get you get nutter's, and you'll always get nutter's. And and how do you legislate for that? I've got no idea. But you take certain steps, and I think quite astonishing to find out there was a there was there was a bunch of weapons stashed in Highbrook's. Which I know, I know. Mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, if if you were... Them and that's your stadium. They'll be horrified by that as well. How, how did that get to happen? How did how, how did that get to happen? Uh, I've said before in the podcast. I thought the three nothing game last season best atmosphere ever, best atmosphere ever. And part of the reason was there was no away fans. And I think that's the way forward for for both sets. I think letting such a small amount of people get into the game seven hundred and something. Were you there at the at the game?
4: I wasn't, general. No,
5: you know. I think yeah. Declan was think, the only actor. Yeah, Declan was the only one. Yeah, Because yep. you're usually everywhere. So, I anyways, know. Uh,
4: <laughs> I <wish it>
5: <laughs> you're usually everywhere. But uh, it's such a small number, and the security around that is just, is, is, is massive. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I wouldn't want to go to the game. I wouldn't want to be 700 Celtic fans going to uh, Ibrox or vice versa. That happens. So I don't know why they're doing this. Either they give like a decent allocation or nothing. But even with a decent allocation, you're going to get nutters. You're always going to get nutters. And, and I don't know how you legislate. You can do everything in the world, but in a, a crowd of 50,000 or 60,000, somebody will get a golf ball into the game or a glass bottle or something. And, and there's been a number of games at Celtic Park this season and last season where Somebody's taken a corner for the other team and things have been chucked on the park. Maybe not a glass bottle, you know, maybe not a golf ball, but a paper cup or something. And you might say, well, that's not as bad. It is as bad. People think it's okay to chuck things onto a football park. It's not okay. How you deal with that, I think it's really, really difficult. You take all the steps you possibly can, but nutters will be nutters, which is the kind of punchline to my. (laughs)
3: I remember, um, I think it was a couple of years ago now, I had uh, Mickey Weir. Remember Mickey Weir, Jim? Yes, Mickey Weir, yeah. yeah, yeah. Tricky wee winger, came through the ranks with John Collins and Paul Kane, etc. And he was in here talking about his career and he spoke about, now I'm not as old with the Edinburgh Derby as I am with Celtic and Rangers, he was talking about um, a particular part of the park where he had to take a corner, but it was Hearts fans. Um, who were there and he's gone over and he says, you know, you're expecting to come away covered in grogs and all this kind of stuff. He says, but Mm -hmm. just as I was lining up to take the corner, he felt this pain in his ankle. And when he looked down, there was a dart sticking out his foot. Somebody had actually thrown a dart. This is probably late eighties, early nineties maybe. And it had actually caught him on, on the ankle. Um, So you ask yourself the question as much as football is changing Natasha, There's loads of things that stay the same and remain um, as archaic as it, as it was back in the 1980s. But I am concerned. I've got to say, for the safety of our fans, the players, and obviously the staff as well, there was missiles thrown at Taylor when he was being um, when he was being looked at by by the physio. Sorry, Jim. No, I was going to say that
5: I also affects young kids. Yeah. Uh, I went to Ayr, I went down to Somerset Park, about whenever that was, 70 weeks ago, to watch Pollock play Ayr in the Cup. Uh, and it was really old school stuff. I mean, their stadium is horrendous. I mean, it's like, it hasn't changed since the 1970s, I would think. And if they come up, goodness knows where they're going to play. But notwithstanding that, so I'm in the Pollock end, and there's loads of kids, who obviously they must be the Pollock young team, whoever they are, they all look to about 10, say right. And one of these rituals I've got now is to take off one shoe, Right, and wave a shoe, which is, which is mental. But, but at some point, because you're not sitting down, there's a bit, know, there's about 30 or 40 of these kids that took it upon themselves to then just wander round to stand beside the air fans, which was mm-hmm. on the halfway line and chanting and pointing. And it looked daft, it looked really, really funny. But, 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 but that's the mentality that this is what you do at a football match. You take your shoe off firstly, right? But then you match round. And we confront the opposition, and there was quite a few policemen there, as you would tend to bit Because because you go and watch Pollock, as I do now and again, there's no policemen there. Don't expect any trouble. But but these are young kids who looked about ten, as I said, who think this is how you behave at a football match. Mm. You go and confront the opposition. You sing songs with our swear words in them. And get back to the racism reg- thing. Uh, it's brilliant to watch this a guy called Paul Mullen. That they say not, not the Paul Mullen that put up here, a different guy called Paul Mullen. And the Paul Mullen song has got he's expletive dynamite. We've got super Paul Mullen, he's expletive dynamite. And outside the ground, it's all these young kids, and that's what they're singing. You know, so going to a game, you can swear as much as you want. Going to a game, you can taunt the opposition. Going to the game, you can you can sing songs about people who have died. That's what you do, that's what people do. And you will never stop that because nutters are nutters. And it's a terrible thing to happen. What do you do? You try your best. The clubs try their best, but that will never be stopped. It just never will be stopped. And that's a really sad thing. And that's because lots of people off football. Yeah you know, we're Ingrained in it. And you think nothing of it. And there's a bizarre song which I'd never heard. And I'm like I'm like about ten seats from the boys. Because they've been moved this this season and it's constant noise, constant noise. And most of the songs are great and are funny, and all that. But there's a few songs you're thinking, why are you singing this stuff, you know? And then if this happens, we hope you fall in a gate, and we hope that the doctors are in strike, and I hope your doctor's Harold Shipman. And you're just thinking, the amount of thought into this song, and it's just more horrible as it goes on. And you're thinking, why? Because there's so many good songs you can sing, so many good mm-hmm. inventive, funny... Top of the league, looking down in the Rangers and the glory in the dream. Thing and the glory in the dream, <laughs> good plug there. And the Celtic jersey, you know, there's, there's so many good things. You can do. And what you should never be, I think, as a football fan, is, is anti-something. You should be for your team, because there's so many good songs to sing. You don't have to point and shout things against the referee. That a referee's a such and such. Who cares? You know. Think about your own team. Sing your own songs. And bit by bit, that would be good. And Natasha said, you know, there needs to be a bit of, you know, onus on your own fans to do something. But nobody's going to do it. You're going to take on a bunch of nutters singing songs because you don't know what you're going to let yourself in for. So you're not going to do that. So I think it's a difficult thing. You've got stewards. If I'm a steward getting paid minimum wage, am I going to wade into all these nutters, you know, singing songs, who knows what's going to happen. So I think it's a really, really difficult thing. I think it's really sad in 2023 we're still talking about this. I think in terms of the specific game we're talking about, I think home fans only is the way forward. And I think uh, I think that 3 nothing game, just I just thought the atmosphere was great. Obviously, <laughs> we won the game, played really well under the lights, the disco lights, and all that. that all added to the atmosphere. But having no fans, no, no away fans at the games, I think if you ask most fans I think they would say that's the way forward on both sides it was electric I mean I've never taken a show off
3: at a football game Natasha have you?
4: I can't say I have no I can't say I have um,
5: I that's don't know about
4: the second Jim I think something. Like, I'm thinking back to you know, some of the great memories I've got of when we had the, the full broom loan at Ibrox and it was bouncing and we're scoring five goals and you know, that's fantastic and obviously ultimately probably what led to us no longer having the full broom loan. But it's a difficult one because there are a lot of our fans who want to make sure that we are there to support our club regardless, regardless of what the allocation. If, if it's 2000 3000 if it's 700 and um, we want to be there. And the only way of ensuring that at least 700 of us are there to back our team in that environment at Ibrox is to give them the reciprocal amount at Celtic Park. Um, I fully agree with you, I think that that, that 3-0 game, the, the, the evening game was probably one of the best atmospheres I ever remember, it was absolutely fantastic um, but I think if it came down to it, I'd like to probably see the allocation increased um, to allow both more of our fans going to Ibrox to support the team, obviously that does have the reciprocal obligation on our side. I think a lot of people have mentioned making it the European allocation, so not as full as it had been previously, but at least an increase on the 700. I think that's probably something to consider. I I don't see it happening. I don't think the clubs are going to reach that agreement. But I think there are too many fans who want to make sure that we're there, regardless of where it is, to support the team to give the allocation up entirely. And I I totally appreciate on the back of everything that's happened, the safety fears, everything like that, there is a... Really strong notion to tell them to stick their seven hundred tickets, but I think if it really came down to it, I would still be be taking them to make sure that there's at least seven hundred of us there back in the team.
5: I'm going to ask you a a question about that. Then, again, I think uh, tagline says safety, uh, and someone who stays in Glasgow, uh, I think if you ask the police and you ask the (laughs) health service. If it was home fans only, would that make a big difference? I think they would say, unquestionably, yes. Yeah, okay. I agree. I think if it's about safety, mm-hmm. then if, if you're saying that safety is the most important thing, home fans only. I think mm-hmm. what you're touching on...
2: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox.
5: Obviously, it's like be much better for the atmosphere. Fans want to be there, want to support the team. Totally get all that stuff, totally get that stuff. But if this is about safety mm-hmm. and having less incidents, I think home fans only has to be. Well,
3: <clears throat> here's the thing then. I'm going to bring this comment up from Celtic Follower first on YouTube. It's time for Celtic to end Ibrox fans' ticket allocation at home and refuse away allocations too for the safety of our fans. So that point's been raised and it's agreed by Celtic Follower I've got a question. I'll come to you first, Natasha. What do you think if given the option of having even 700 fans at the ground, Ange and the players would say? Yes. Do they want 700 fans there uh-huh, in that absolutely. Ibrox cauldron? What do you reckon, yeah. Jim?
5: I think he would want... I think, yes, is, 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 is the obvious answer to that. But I think if it's not about safety. Mm. And if I talk about safety, the answer is no fans. Because it's not about atmosphere and support and helping the team and all that kind of stuff, yeah, you want as many as possible. But I think the more you have, the more the more fans you have, the more safety risks that you have. So if you're saying mm-hmm. I want the safety to come down, you bring the fans down as well. But I think that's an obvious thing. Or
4: we certainly- just need more people to be doing their, their jobs properly making sure there's fuller searches and better cardins and better stewarding and better policing to make sure that the safety element is addressed. I know it's not always going to be perfect. I appreciate that. But it needs to be better than it is.
5: I, I would but agree with that. I'll sentiment. get back again to say that this season people players of the opposition taking corner kicks people throwing paper cups at them. Right, That's still going to happen. You know, so, so you'll never mm-hmm. match my nutters are nutters. They'll always get in and I think if you put 7,000 people either coming to Celtic Park or Ibrox then you multiply the chances of the, 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 the chances of something going wrong from a safety point of view. Uh, and I just think, from a safety point of view, I know I'm repeating myself, just no fans. I, away fans, sorry.
3: I'm going to link this in um, to the news that I was reading this morning in relation to alcohol at Celtic Park, but we will talk a wee bit about the football before we go into that. And first of all, um, Fed Kukan Balls, nice avatar, Celtic, Celtic says you. I remember when you brought that up, the first thing that comes to my mind is Robical training cracker shouting it at um, Robert Carlyle, who was singing the Liverpool song. So we remember Robbie Carlyle, who died in 2022. Paddy Lavery, uh, a great big afternoon from Ardoyne to all you lovely people. I'm looking forward to seeing you and the boys over for our gig in January. Do you think it's a good time to announce another guest, um, Axon Live? Well, <clears throat> I love interviewing people. I love chatting to people. That's one of the reasons why I've been on just about all week this week. People will be sick of the sight of me. However, uh, one of the things I love doing is interviewing people, particularly those with a Celtic state of mind. And one person I've never interviewed is a former manager of the club, and it's Martin O'Neill. And I would love to interview and get under his floorboards. So we're going to do it. We're going to do it on a live stage um, to an audience at Barrers Art and Design next month. So be quick, because this is going to sell out. It's at the end of February, and the ticket link is underneath the video. So that's the announcement. We've not mentioned it anywhere. It's not been mentioned on social media. Come and see us, an audience with Martin O'Neill. You will also have your opportunity to ask the great man questions. Um, You can buy VIP tickets and meet them. Get things signed, get your photograph taken, all that kind of stuff. This is something we're doing a lot more of in 2023, and Martin O'Neill, is going to be one of the guests in february what do you make it out natasha
4: oh so excited for it can't wait to be along there for the night martin is obviously a manager who's very fondly remembered by his Celtic support um a great manager a great person and always someone who is so interesting to listen to and um, i try and catch as much of his content as i can in terms of interviews and um, media work that he does because i think he's just fascinating to listen to every time i listen to him i feel captivated by what he's saying he's engaging he's funny he's charismatic so an absolutely perfect guest to, to come on our our live show and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to, to seeing some of our listeners there as well
3: Oh definitely, it's always good to actually see a face um, that has been appearing in Oops, the comments going, section going to oh, Jim, ones. you go and get your delivery there we go, uh, Martin O'Neill I hadn't even got the time, Natasha. I wasn't being rude. I hadn't even got the time to share this in the in the group because we set it all up this morning. We just got the link and I was setting up the, the bulletin. Um, I know that he has done quite a few engagements, let's say, both online um, as well as live and, and broadcast media. But we are going to talk about his Celtic career. We're going to talk about his entire football career. But what an interesting story um, he has. And yes, I'm going to have to speed read his autobiography as well. In the next couple of weeks to make sure I don't miss out any of the interesting stuff. We're gonna come back to some of the issues at, at uh, the stadium. That's all right. It's all okay, live. live, It's live telly. Uh before we came on, Jim, I said to you guys, who do you reckon it's gonna be? Natasha said Gordon Stratton, you said Martin O'Neill.
5: Are you looking forward to it? You made it a bigger boat for Martin O'Neill, possibly. Uh I, I agree with all the things Natasha said. I've Got his book, haven't actually read it yet, but yeah, he's a a fascinating guy. He speaks really well. And I could listen to guys like him all night because he's done so much in the game, managed teams either side of the border, been successful, had to manage big personalities. Uh, Yeah, he'll be a fascinating listen. Absolutely fascinating listen. Here's a question
3: for you then. Uh, JP brought up a really good point yesterday. We were in the discussion of Zhiranovic. And Yakimakis. And we were talking about that point when the honeymoon period is over, we are manager, and certain players start either agitating or they become restless and they're unsettled, Natasha, right? And although I threw in Julien as an example of somebody who might have been in that camp under Ange. JP quite right, rightly said to me, it was a legacy issue and dealt with it. And that's the end of that. But the two players we've been talking about in relation to perhaps leaving Celtic, first team players leaving Celtic, are, of course, Sharanovic and Jakimakis. Now, we were going through all the different managers and that moment, when that moment arose that all wasn't well in the camp. So we spoke about Tommy Burns, for example, and we said, you know, you had Van Hoydong and De who became restless. We had the Ronnie Dyla issue with some of the senior players and Chris Commons, obviously hurling abuse at the dugout on his way off the park. You had the Neil Lennon interview where he says, there's guys in that dressing room who don't want to play for the club, don't want to be here. And of course, you had situations under Brennan Rodgers with guys like uh, Musa Dembele and Dedrick Boyata. But we hadn't really seen it with Ange. Um, Did we actually see it with Martin O'Neill? Jim, I'll probably ask you that because I know you were uh, going home and away and going to Europe and all that stuff back then. Did you see it with Martin O'Neill? I don't think he ever lost any of the, the players in
5: his team. I was a different Europol, completely. I think we were paying paying big bucks, uh, transfer fees, paying big bucks and wages to the, the Larsons and the Lenins and stuff like that. At a time where I'm not so sure if they went down south to and earning, earning any more money. Uh, so I think we're in a different different place just now. I think uh There'd be players who, I think that team was so good and the players were so good, it was going to always be pretty difficult to get into that team. And I think the issues we have just now are a wee bit different. I think the Yakima is one, I've said this enough times on the podcast, that if I'm Yakimakis, I think I should get more minutes on the park. I think I deserve more minutes. I'm not getting them. And there was a wee story during the week about, I think he's one of the lower paid players. Mm. So I'm not getting paid as much as all these other guys Every time I'm called upon, I tend to do the business. I'm not getting game times. I'm hacked off, understandably so. Juranovic is different. Juranovic is the uh, best right back in the World Cup, man of the match against Brazil. He's mixing with players like Luka Modric and uh, Guy Spurs whose name I can't remember, who in silly money. You know, and I don't know how old he is. He's, what, 27, 28? Just turned twenty-eight. Yeah, Got one big move left, and um, and these guys are getting paid silly money. He's getting linked with Barcelona and stuff like that. So, so yeah, you know, I think I can understand both of them. Uh, what always totally bemuses me is how most fans turn on people. And I mean, after the game on Monday, I haven't talked about Monday's game, but I mean, people are on social media get rid of Iranovic. You're thinking madness, absolute madness. The guys, maybe not. fit, otherwise he would have started the other day. Mm. His head's in a different place. He's he's a a quality player. And I can understand why we want to go. And I've also said in the podcast before, don't get too attached to players Mm. these days because we're in a different world altogether. Both of those players will move on at some point. I'd like to keep them both. But I think we're not going to keep Juranovic because he can earn too much money elsewhere. I'm bemused by some of the fees that I mentioned for Yakimakis. Six million, seven million pounds. I think it's totally madness. Where are you going to get another striker like him for six or seven million if we, if we have to replace the guy? Obviously, Ange knows better than us all. we will just sitting here, podcast talking mints half the time. Ange knows what's happening back there. Yaki Marcus isn't playing because Ange thinks he shouldn't be playing, and he knows why. So, so the amateur football fans like us are saying, or like me, sorry me. It's saying, well, why didn't he start on Monday? And why didn't he come on after 60 minutes? blah blah But Ange, when I did bring him on, he kept on the other strike and he scores a goal. Woody, I know. So Ange knows better than anyone how it's going to play out. We're on here giving our top worth and, and for my top worth I would like to keep them both. I think they'll move on, but they'll move on for completely different reasons. Juranovic mm. can see the pound-note signs and in and y- in Yakimakis isn't getting a game. And... And I also said a number of times ago that Anne said, it's not my job to keep to, to keep players happy. Well, it is your job to keep players happy. How you keep them happy, there's, there's a whole lot of different ways you can keep players happy. But there's two players who, who, are, who are not happy. I think Juranovic, I don't think there's much you can do about that because the pound signs are flashing. And if you're the best right back in the World Cup, you have to move. You really have to move. Yakimakis, I think we should be paying him a bit more money, giving him more minutes. I think that would keep him a bit happier. And I and I like him. He gives us something different. So that's he definitely
3: problem. does, Jim. I mean, it's an interesting point, Natasha, that, that Jim makes there, because obviously the monetary issue was an issue <coughs> with a lot of the players I mentioned before. Um, but really in Martin O'Neill's time, that, that wasn't an issue because we were paying kind of premiership wages. So uh, point taken on that one. Um Yakamakis, it seems more ambition to to get more game time. Totally understand that. But you know, I'm of the view now that Generally, once you get to that point, you've got to move the players on because the dressing room might be affected. We've seen it with Lenny, we've seen it with dial with all the examples I've already given. Are, are you of the view that it is time for both players? Can you see um, maybe Yakamakis salvaging his Celtic career? I, I'm kind of of the view Guranovic is leaving, but I, I yeah. wouldn't like to see Yakamakis go.
4: Yeah, I'm with you on that, actually. Um, I think we always knew that it was highly likely that Juranovic would be leaving post-World Cup. You could tell when the rumours started circulating before the World Cup about his potential move, and that's definitely you know, being fed from from his camp to make sure that the eyes were on him during that spell in Qatar. And then very much would have been, anyway, given the level of his performances, he did absolutely fantastically. So that's only going to increase the interest in someone like Juranovic every player has a cycle at a club. We've talked about this before. Um, And the model of our club is that we bring players in, like we did with Juranovic. We develop them, we put them on a big stage, they put themselves on a big stage and then they move on for an increased fee and we make some relatively good money on that, hopefully. I think that's what's going to happen with Juranovic and we can't have any complaints about it. It's going to be a good move for the club. It's going to be a good move for the player. And that's just the way things work. It's our model. It's the cycle of a player, all these sorts of things. What we do need to make sure of, though, is that we get the right fee for Juranovic. We've got a brilliant asset there. We've got a good amount of interest in him. He's off the back of a fantastic World Cup against some big teams. He's got a good amount of time left in his contract. He's at a peak age for, you know, playing. I know the sell-on fee then becomes a little bit more difficult at the age he's at, but this is exactly when we should be looking to capitalise on this asset. The figures that have been talked about a bit concerning. You know, we're talking about teams like Chelsea and Barcelona being interested in this guy. So why figures of you know six and seven million are floating, I'm I'm not too sure. So we need to make sure that we're not shortchanged here. We need to make sure that we get the the right value for him. And what I like most about this move in a way is that we've already got his replacement lined up. Alistair Johnson is already in the building. He's already made his debut, a very competent debut at that. So I like that we're not being reactive to a potential situation. And has obviously seen the likely possibility that Juranovic is going to move on in this window and hasn't waited for that to happen to make sure his replacement is sitting there, not just sitting there, sitting there on the pitch. So I'm happy about that. I think that's a good thing. So as long as we get the right money for Juranovic, I'm not too disappointed at moving him on at this stage of his Celtic career. Jakimakis is a bit of a different one for me. Um, obviously we have absolutely no idea of what's going on behind the scenes and any rumours of him being unsettled or unsettling a dressing room or anything like that could be completely unfounded. We just don't know. Um, I'd like to see him get more game time. Again, like Jim's touched on as well, Ange is the one in the know here. He's, him, John Kennedy, Gavin Stack and all, they see him every single day in training. You know, We see this 90 minutes on the pitch whether or not for is obviously. But we see the time on the pitch, you know, on a match day. They see them every single day and they're making the decision about how much game time they get on the basis of that. So there's obviously something there that is resulting in Giacomacchus not getting the game time that he thinks he deserves. Obviously, as fans, we'd probably like to see more of him as well. But there is a reason why we're not. And that's obviously something for, for Ange and his backroom team to make their decision on. I'd like to see us keep Jakimakis. I do. I don't think that, you know, he is a bad player. I think he's a good player. I think he could be, you know, a real benefit to us over the course of the season that's still to come. Keogh on his own is not enough, so we'd need to replace Jakimakis. We probably yeah. could do with adding another striker to both of them. Um, so losing Jakimakis would probably create a bit of a headache in terms of you're not only looking for one new striker, you're looking for two. So, I'd like to see us keep Marcus. I think he has more potential of staying. Um, I think Juranovic is probably a relatively done deal to somewhere. But I'd like to see us hold on to Jackamakus.
5: Yeah. Even though I think also we- the fact sorry, but then again, that, that I think uh, before Ange came, I think what would tend to happen is we sell somebody and then we try and buy somebody else. Yeah. And we end up not buying somebody else. So mm. if we were to lose Jackie Marcus, we'd say, Well, we're another kind of Yakimakis-type player. Well, let's just try and keep Yakimakis because he's a Yakimakis-type player. And I think only time will tell. If if, 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 if Yakimakis goes, we bring in somebody else who does as good a job as Yakimakis, then well done, Ange. And I think the experience in the past is that tend to not happen. You tend to let somebody go, you bring in somebody else, be it Albina Yeti or something like that, and you're thinking, well, why didn't we try and keep the person we had before? And I think what's different from the Neil Lennon season is that, a lot of those players had checked out at the start of the season and we kept them for a whole season. Mm-hmm. And that's another debate which we'll maybe look at again at some point in time. I think that Juranovic and the Yakimakis is fairly recently, you know, just started before the World Cup a wee bit I talk about Juranovic and maybe in the last few weeks of Yakima. It's it's fairly recent, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think, as I said before, Juranovic is away. There's nothing we can do about that. Yakimakis is... Unless he's, he's, he's done something that Andrew said, he's out. Unless it's something like that, then you could always save the situation. You know, pay him a few more, Bob. Give him a, Because we're, we're, we're definitely going to need players. There's going to be you know players out through injury or, or, or whatever. We're going to need somebody up front.
2: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com Internet for details.
1: This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really
0: easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent.
1: As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
5: He's there. He's good. He fits in with the team. Unless something's happened behind the scenes, mm-hmm. as you were saying, Natasha, that we don't know about... And he's definitely, And now you can have egg timer thing that you put on mm. the other week. You know, you're thinking, well, again, what's behind that? What's your thing? Is that something kind you of daft thing you've done? Or is there mm-hmm. more to that? Or mm-hmm. is, is is he that smart that he's thinking, I'll stick an egg timer on here and that'll, that'll ruffle people up. I'll get people. Is he that smart? Don't or be stupid. It. Or I, I mean, <laughs> you No, know, That's so, the last thing I'm just going to respond to. And we're all thinking, oh, Don, let's have a think about this, know, <laughs> an egg timer, mm, let's have a think about so this.
3: So we've had the Julian eyeballs, we've had the, the Yakamakis egg timer. A couple of wee things there, Jim, you're, you're spotting what you say, in that the last time we sold our first choice right back, it was Jeremy Frimpong, he was replaced with jo- uh, John Joe hey. Kenny yeah. on loan, short-termism, no planning, you know, so things are different in relation to if he leaves, we have already done that planning. We've got your replacement in. Um, and with Natasha on the centre-forward position, though, um, we lose Yakimakis, and then you're trying to replace him. And it's a short window. And it looks as though some of the players, at least, uh, that we've been interested in aren't done deals. So, you know, I'd much rather keep him and give him a few extra quid, as Jim says, because I think he is worth it. And yesterday I was saying we've not seen him flying for a season. Imagine him being your your top striker for a whole season. He would get you goals, and he does get you something different from Kyogo. Um, Johnson, yeah, you mentioned Johnson coming in, making his debut against Rangers in the cauldron of Ibrox. Very mm-hmm. impressed with that debut. Um, What did you make of it overall, Natasha? I mean, he, he likes a challenge. He's up for the fight. uh, Distribution very good. Very good at going forwards. Mm-hmm. One tiny yeah. wee blip, which I think will happen naturally with the positioning when Joe Hart hesitated and obviously had to save our bacon. But I think, overall, very competent, and, uh, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why if Djuranovic goes it softens the blow. We know we've yeah, got him absolutely. to back him
4: up. Absolutely agree. I've been impressed so far. I thought it was a really good <laughs> debut, solid debut for the most part. He was properly thrown in at the deep end and handled it really well. Both the game, the occasion, I thought he was really competent, so impressed in terms of that obviously we've only seen him one game so far but you know, other aspects have impressed me too I've liked his press conference, conferences I think he comes across confidently I think he speaks well in terms of what he's saying I think he's an intelligent player and that comes across both on the pitch and in the press conferences and I think from what we've seen so far he's definitely got potential to be a, a fan favourite during this, his time here I think um, his comments on VAR and the penalty decisions that may have went against us um, at Ibrox were really measured. um, And listening to him, I thought, you know, you have summarised that really well, and I think you've you've dealt with it really well. I think you're already dealing with the media over here really well. So that's impressed me. Um, So the fact that, you know, a year ago, if someone had said, you know, Juranovic is going to be off, you would be worried about it. Mm -hmm. I think the more that we see of Johnston, the more those concerns will be alleviated. Um, So, yeah, in terms of Johnston impressed so far look forward to seeing more of them and I think we will now Um, obviously Ralston's still likely to be out so I think Johnston will get another run in the team this weekend tomorrow and I think yeah I'm looking forward to to seeing him I think it'll do him good to get a, a few games under his belt and push on from there
3: Yep, the games are coming in thick and fast. It's tomorrow before we face Kilmarnock um Johnson, I think, was one of the success stories on Monday. There was a few, I, I think, raised eyebrows at some of the selections um, for the starting 11. We came out unscathed. Um, do you think Ange got it right, the starting 11? Because, of course, in front of Johnson was Forrest, and a lot of people were surprised at that.
5: I, I thought there was a kind of Uranovich domino effect for me, I think. In that, if I thought if, if he was one hundred percent fit, he plays has mm-hmm. to play. Uh, we had to play a right back because we were up against Kent and Kent's their most their most effective offensive player, so it had to be, So could he couldn't play Hatati against Kent. He's going to play Uranovic if one hundred percent fit. He's not, so he's on the bench and we'll, and we'll and we'll use him if we really have to, but we'll mm-hmm. stick you on the bench. It's now Rawls is still injured then Johnson has to come in. That's a kind of obvious one. He has to come in. If you play Johnson, then you need somebody who's going to track back and going to help him out. And you're playing at Ibrox as well. So somebody who's got a bit of experience as well, that's not a badder uh, and that's not a yacht, uh, That's Forrest. Notwithstanding, he didn't have a great game, but that's an obvious one. You have to play Forrest then. So the Uranovic domino gets you Johnson and gets you Forrest, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Greg Taylor gets injured, unfortunately, because he's a fantastic season. Burnaby's the obvious choice. He's a left back. Why wouldn't you do that? Then you think, well, he's not much game time. He's a bit of a work in progress. I think offensively, he's looked really good. Defensively, I'm not so sure. And you, and and that's the main part of the pitch down that right hand side. James Tavernier, who's whips the ball, fantastic crossover ball. All the dangers we come down that wing as well. Do you want to put Burnaby on two inexperienced fullbacks? You've got Juranovic, <laughs> the, sitting in there best right back in the World Cup. Man of the match against Brazil, playing before it before left back. Ah, you stick him on. He's a he's a better bet. He doesn't have he doesn't have a great game, but how can you legislate for that? So I think that's mm. the right call as well in terms of putting him on. And I think I mean I've said before in the podcast one one moment can change a game, and one game can change a season. And Iuranovic, one moment was was their first goal. Where we're on the attack. He's kind of pushing up. They get the ball back. I think it was was Ben Davis. Brilliant ball. Brilliant ball to Sakala. Takes a great touch. Juranovic is ahead of him because we're attacking. He's maybe out of position by a few yards. But even that, I thought Juranovic, back enough, he could have brought him down. He brings him down, takes a yellow card. They don't score. And in that moment, he doesn't bring him down. Mm -hmm. Sakala, good pass to Kent. Brilliant finish. Outstanding finish from, from Kent. And at that moment, everything starts to fall apart. And people are pointing at him saying he should never play again. He's a disgrace. You know, one moment of just I have pushed up because if you're in an Ange team, you're always looking to go forward. We've dropped off the ball over the back. I'm out a position, you know. And that was a shame. And once they scored that goal, they get tons of confidence from that. You know, but I think to answer the question that he asked, I think he picked the right team in the right circumstances. I might have played Jackie Markets because of his physical strength. Mm. And up until they scored the goal, I was still convinced we should have started Jackie Marcus. And again, that shows what Ange all about. Because he takes off Rio Hitati, I thought was having a really good game. Mm-hmm. Left Kyogo on, who, who did nothing. And he scores the goal. So yep. that's why Ange knows far better. us. But in terms of answering the question, did they pick the right team? In the circumstances, I think that Joranovec's domino effect meant that was the team to play here. Yeah.
4: Mm.
3: Brilliantly. Illustrated, Jim. Mm-hmm. Moore thank you very much for that because I think it is easy to be lost in the emotions of it, particularly during the game and even in the, the post match, which is why. And Jim that's the Moore point I was making.
5: A exactly, but that's the point I was making. I mean, if you, if you go on Twitter after the game, I mean, for most football fans, it's either black or white. You know, he's brilliant, he's rubbish, you'd never play again. And on Twitter after the game, I mean, everyone got it. I mean, Hart got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all, and, all, and all Hart did, he made even one wee mistake. Because, I mean, if you're playing for Ange and you're a goalkeeper, the first thing you do is pass the ball out, time pass the ball. So he was waiting to pass, pass, and that didn't arrive. And he waits a split second too long. The guy shuts him down, but doom, and then he makes a great save. You know, fantastic save. But what that did was give their fans confidence and give their yeah. fans hope and give their players... Fa- and all of a sudden, everything went up because... They thought they can be got at because up to that point it was a walk in the park. It really, was with a walk in the park. We got the goal, we're knocking the ball about, we're looking pretty confident. Mm-hmm. And then when that happened, then people are blaming Joe Hart for one split second of a mistake, one split second, Hart out. We need a better goalkeeper. No, no, he was getting it. Staff felt was getting it. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I've always said Staff was a good defender, not a good with the ball at his feet, but he's a def- first and foremost, he's a defender. And people say he's always got a mistake in them. starfield must play about, I don't know, 80 passes in a game. You know, every game you put 80 passes, you may get one of them wrong. You might get one of them wrong. You know, if you're Connor Golson, you don't do that. You just punt the ball up the park. You know, if you're Staffelt and you're playing 80 passes in a game, you know what? One or two might go astray. And if you're a right-footed player and you're playing the left side of defence, that makes it a bit more difficult. And he looks the most awkward guy in the world. But defending, mm. I think he's a great defender. He threw himself in there, he kind of went to ground, as they say, in the box, and that's a dangerous thing to do. And that leads to the penalty. And at the time I thought it's a stonewaller. And then you see it back slow-motion, you think I'm not so sure that's a penalty after all. But mm. apart from that, he was, he's getting it as well. He's I felt rubbish, we rubbish. Hatati was getting it for, for, for some reason and I thought he would a great game mm-hmm. O'Reilly wasn't too good so he he's to blame as well Karl McGregor never shows up James Forrest never Kyogo everyone's getting it at the end of the day the players they're no robots they do the best they can and I think also, also the kind of, you mentioned Neil Lennon's season there I mean in that season the word entitlement was getting mentioned quite a yeah. lot silly so fans are entitled see if you get back a few weeks before the World Cup break, we were two points ahead. And I remember saying, see if we can get that to four before Ibrox. That'd be brilliant. Imagine going to the Ibrox, four points ahead. So we can lose the game and still be a point ahead. That would be brilliant. Imagine having that. And then they get a bit of a kind of dodgy pack and drop seven points. So we're nine points ahead going to Ibrox. And we've got a goal difference of 17 better than them. And we can lose and we don't really care. But everyone's getting slaughtered. And as you said, but we come out of Ibrox and we didn't play well. All these players are getting slaughtered. We didn't play well. Didn't do very much. Gave them a... They're a a goal up. There's no longer to go. And we walk out of there completely unscathed. Mm -hmm. Apart from the fans, the team walks out there completely unscathed. (laughs) Nine points ahead and everyone's getting slaughtered. You know, I think... At times, we have to kind of calm down a wee bit and just see where we are. Players are going to have bad games. We play a lot of games. Maybe it's time for different players to have a game. Fine. But the reality is, you know, as long as we take care of the other teams in the league, we can lose the next two Glasgow Derby, it doesn't matter. That's where we are just now. And it doesn't have to always be perfect. You know, nine points ahead. Fantastic, you know. Jim, you should have given us that as a pre-recording
3: and I would have played it at full time, just to keep everybody's (laughs) nerves settled, right? You you mentioned one thing, and I'm bringing it up. You mentioned the wee Hatati. I'm a massive fan, absolute huge fan of Hatati. I was asked at the beginning of the season to name the player who's going to have a breakthrough season, um, and I said he's going to be the player of the year. Quite bold, maybe, but he came back. His conditioning has been phenomenal. And I've got to mention this because... Social media pylons are still a thing, Natasha, it would appear. And all I would say is agree, disagree, whatever, doesn't really matter. Let's just remember that the people on the end of the abuse are human beings and it does affect people, you know. And what you see with regards to the pylon from our own fans, it's no nice to see, is it, Natasha? I mean, listen, the Rio Atati comments, I'll say it, totally disagree with you mm-hmm. guys. Alan's on, on a Friday, every other Friday. Love it my bits, but I totally disagree with that. However, Let's not pile on. Let's not bully people online because of it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Alan was given an opinion on Rio Hitati based on the stats that he pulls together. Now, Alan's stats are absolutely incredible. The way he manages to pull figures out often goes over my head, but I always find it very insightful, very interesting. And it's just a totally different way than to which I watch the game. And I think that that is the case for a lot of people. Some of us watch it and analyse what we see in front of us. And some of us watch it with the assistance of the stats, like Alan does and what he's able to pull together. And I'm always really interested when he does that. He's given an opinion on a player based on what he's managed to pull together. Do I agree with it from what I've watched? Probably not. But his stats are based on facts. So it's interesting to listen to. And I think it's always interesting to push your own boundaries and test your own opinions by listening to those of others. The last thing you should then be having is people attacking him for his opinion. Say it's wrong. Say you disagree with it. Tell him why you disagree with it. But leave it at that, yeah?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I I love the stats. Love Alan Morrison, because as you said there, there's a football phrase uh, to play the ball, not the man, basically. And that's what people do. Oh, that's what people don't do. They don't play the ball, they play the man. That's a bit sexy, sorry. But the other woman... Because somebody makes a point. If you don't like the point, that's the ball. Attack the ball. Don't like the person who, you know, don't attack the person who made the point. And I don't mind people saying this guy's talking, that old guy's talking rubbish. I, I, don't, I don't mind that at all. But when they attack me for being for me, there was like, just a, just a YouTube comment last week with some utter nutter. And if you're watching, you're a utter nutter. I don't argue with nutters, you know, because, <laughs> because it's all about the points that you make. And I think, I think because I saw it in the Axom chat, I thought I better nip into Twitter to see what's happening here with this ridiculous pylon, And and uh, and all I was doing was here's the stats and the stats are telling you this right and that's objective you know mm-hmm. and you can't argue with that you say well based on the stats this is where we are and I think an interesting thing to do is because <laughs> back in the day being old we didn't have stats or we had very basic stats and Lisbon with two shots a goal you know with very very basic stats right but who is the greatest ever Celtic player Jimmy Johnson right I would love people to look at his stats, <laughs> right? Because one of the biggest feelings of Jimmy Johnson was his final ball, right? He could beat five players, beat them all again. You know, his cross wasn't that great, you know. And I think if they if they were to run the rule over Jimmy Johnson, you might find a similar outcome to the Hatati one. That, and I think I think the a phrase Alan used a Was it? Was it? Was it? The good moments are the good things via the bad There's lots of good things, but there's loads of bad things. Jimmy Johnson, lots of brilliant things, but oh, loads of bad things as well. Did Jimmy Johnson track back, tackle people, bloody, bloody, blah, blah? So I think if you ran the role over Jimmy Johnson, the stats might tell you something different to what you're watching. But what you're watching is this fantastic player. Yeah. And the Hitati one, where.
2: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet.
5: he had the Ball on the corner flag, and a wee trick, a wee trick, and he was running along the byline. That's what you see, that's what you pay money to go and see football. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. you love. You're not paying to watch Hattati tracking back. He's, he's pinging 50 yards passes, he's taking a ball with four guys round him. He's turning, maybe he doesn't track back, maybe he doesn't do all the things that would like him to do, and that scores them poorly on the stats. But that's just purely stats. You'd much rather go and watch a Rio Hattati than a James McCarthy, say. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, I, and I don't mean in, in disrespect to James McCarthy, but maybe James McCarthy's stats are a lot better than Ria Hattati's. And maybe that helps the team more, because then the end of the that's what the stats are all about. But I agree with you, Paul. I think Hattati's been the best player, and most consistent player this season, and the best player to watch. And, and football's all about goals and making goals. He makes goals and he scores goals. And that's what you go to see. And I think what he did, that staff felt didn't do, and it's getting back to this idea of the first thing that happens, you make your mind up. Car Starfield signed on the Friday, put against hearts on the Saturday, wouldn't be very good, he's rubbish. Mm-hmm. Atati comes in, scores a screaming at Time Castle, scores two way. he's brilliant. The answer is no, that's simple. It's somewhere in the middle. And all Alan is doing, and all the stats guys are doing saying the stats say this, and you can not argue with the stats. You can argue with Natasha Miko or Paul Jordan or Jim Or, you can argue into the Council of Home, you can't argue with stats. It's subjective. We're all subjective, you know. So have a pop as much as you want, but you can't argue with the stats. Yeah. And even if you
3: do disagree, Let's be nice about it. We're all Celtic fans. We all have a Celtic state of mind, after all. Um, The underwater cabbage salesman is watching this whilst on holiday in Cork. I hope you have a fantastic time. Um, And the weather is good for you as well because it's blowing a gale, as you would say, through here in Dalkeith. Pete McGee, the February Dabbery game at home, proved that the atmosphere is better without the toxicity of their fans. Time to refuse them tickets and decline away tickets for Ibrox for our fans' safety. Now yeah. we're talking about fans. We're talking about the stadium experience. How things have changed. I, I read with interest, Natasha, um, mm-hmm. that there has going to be a wee. There is going to be a, a wee change uh, this this weekend against Kilmarnock because alcohol will be available at Celtic Park. Uh, Bevy has been banned since 1980. My old fellow was at that game. He lost the shoe, but it was nothing to do with taking it off to wave it at the opposition. Celtic uh, will be selling alcohol in the West Stand concourse from 11 to 1. Um, I think it's a great step. I really do, because there's so many reasons for that. Firstly, this isn't good for the, the, the pubs in and around Celtic Park, but it's generating cash for the club. If you want to just think about the club for a second, it's generating money for the club. But it's a step closer to allowing fans to behave like adults and drink responsibly within the grounds. I don't think you can drink responsibly if you're getting bevied for a 12 or 12.30 kick-off, Natasha, and you're trying to get a carry out consumed before you get in the ground. And if you don't, then you'll smuggle it in. I think there's a right knock-on effect, bizarrely enough, to not allowing drink. And football yeah,
4: no, in Scotland. I, I agree. I think it's a good step. I'm glad the club are doing it. Um, I think it's a step towards treating football fans like you treat any other attendee of a big event in Scotland, like we've talked on before when we've touched the subject. You can go to a concert and drink at a concert. You can go to a rugby game. You can probably go to almost any other sporting or you know entertainment event and be able to buy a drink at the stadium that's hosting that event. Unless you're a football fan, so for me it's more of a step of forward in terms of treating football fans like we treat other civilians in the country, Mm -hmm. and not treating them with disrespect like has been seen previously. I don't think it's going to create a great issue. I think you know you you think about it. You can get alcohol inside Celtic Park if you pay enough in your season ticket that allows you to do that. You know the corporate boxes all have alcohol available. The lounges (laughs) have bars. So why have we created a system whereby if you pay enough, then yes, it's acceptable to drink in a football stadium. But if you don't pay enough, then no, you can't drink in a football stadium. I mean, that's a ridiculous situation to have created in itself. So it's a positive step forward that we are doing this. We're starting to treat football fans properly again. And I think it'll only add to the the whole event of going to a game with, with your family and your friends um, and allow people the choice of being able to do that if they want to. Um, I had this, yeah, I had a, this a idea. I'll add to the, the match day experience.
3: Yeah, you, you had the opportunity, Natasha. remember Dominic Mackay. Mm. Was it 72 days? <laughs> um, yes. Well, you were there. You were there when he arrived and you got a chance to speak to him. And we were all talking at the time. This is a guy from rugby. Maybe he will try and implement some new rules at the football. By the way, I wouldn't drink it at football because I drive to the games anyway or I'm in here in the studio. But I'm just saying I think it would be good for the club. And I think it would actually, right, there'd be a secondary element of this issue that we have with smuggling drink into the ground. Jim, you look at the fact, Natasha made the point there, you, you go to hospitality, you can have a baby. If you can't afford hospitality and you can only afford the cheap seats, you can't. It's like a class war. You're, you're not rich enough to be able to drink at the football. So at the moment, there are, there are many, many issues with this. What do you reckon about alcohol at Celtic Park tomorrow? Are you for or against
5: it? I think this is a whole podcast in its own right. Mm-hmm. I think without trying to stand in my soapbox, alcohol is the curse of Scotland, basically. The fascination with alcohol, the fascination that you have to get bevied up before you go to the match. Uh, I was at the 80 Cup final, just thinking I was 21 at the 80 Cup final. I didn't go in the park, because i many things, but I'm not a nutter. And nutters are nutters. And 1980 happened because we won the Cup and the opposition fans or some the nutter's and the opposition fans didn't like it, so they ran on the park, and then your nutter's ran on the park as well, and they all kind of engaged with each other. And that was about nutter's being nutter's again. Not doing alcohol, but back in the day, you could bring twenty four cans into the game, and you could lob full cans down the terrace, and so that was a look at the tagline. That was a safety fear, basically. So maybe not letting people take drink into the games. Get that, totally get that. But I'm, I don't drink, as you as you may have gathered there, and I don't get the fascination with it. I get the idea that it's unfair that football fans should be treated differently to rugby fans or cricket fans or whatever, uh, and it's a money-making exercise, so why should the kind of local pubs make money when it's actual Celtic fans? Mm. Uh, I get the idea. If people want a leisurely drink before the game, you know, a pint or a couple of pints, Fine. That's absolutely okay. People getting tanked up before the game. People who feel they have to drink. Not for me, basically. And I just think uh, the thing about rich fans, I mean, that that in itself is a nonsense, again. Either you ban all alcohol from the, from the inside the stadium or you don't. It's either one or the other. The point you said that you're not rich enough <laughs> to be able to get alcohol, in the see if you're rich enough, you can have alcohol. Well, that's just nonsense to start <laughs> off with, right? Yeah. And you can get bedded as much as you want because you—that's just if you're a nutter and you're rich, you can drink as much as you want. It's okay, it's fine. And you can be sick anywhere you want. It's absolutely fine. Uh, 1980 was a different time. There was an overreaction to that back at the time. At The time I felt this is an overreaction to that, but. You can't hear people coming. I mean, people would wander into games with like two twenty-four can and stand <laughs> on top of them and stuff like that. And then and they were chucking cans at their own fans, you know, because the for those younger listeners there, you know, the east. I mean, I'm trying to think back to Hamden Park. I think it was like you could get 40,000 in the Celtic end at Hamden Park, and, and they went back for miles. Mm, so somebody yep. chucking cans down was hitting loads of different people, whatever. So so that was a that wasn't a good thing. So so stopping that was a good. But I thought, Maybe you're over the tops and you can't drink alcoholic games. Uh, what was the question? Is it a good thing tomorrow? As long as people are sensible, yeah. But I find it bizarre. It's not something like, we'll open at 11, but we'll shut at 1. There's um, yeah. a gap between Because <laughs> we, we don't trust you. We really don't trust you. Because yeah. if we keep this open, something's going to happen here. And that in itself tells a wee story, I think. But I think, yeah, I mean, I've jumped on my soapbox here. I think the whole alcoholic football thing is is a massive topic. And then, and, and obviously fans go to games. I mean, I, I don't go to a weekend. Natasha goes all the time. You know, people travel and supporters, but feeling they have to drink because they can't go without a drink for an hour. So I think it's just a bizarre reflection in society.
3: So I like to go. Over. I like to go to the game, and, and as I say, I normally drive. But I also think that you know there's so many uh, reasons why people should be given a choice at a football game, and you could travel down to St James's Park and get a pint at half time, and it's mm-hmm. just down the road. Mm-hmm. So. I find it a bit bizarre and I think it is a a step in the right direction. Kaiser comes in. Welcome back. Uh, You're watching on YouTube. Varied opinions and debate is at the core of what this is all about, 100%. But let's just remember, especially on social media, 10 people turns into 100 people next thing, you've got a pile on and people don't want to look at their phone. And it's affecting them in real life. Um, So let's remember that because we are all wanting the best for Celtic at the end of the day. Gary Melrose. It's very difficult to disagree with... Statistics, yes, it is. Um, But I think the Jimmy Johnston example is tremendous from Jim. Um, And if you were to look at his defensive capabilities, he probably wouldn't score that high. Uh, Don't attack the people, reminds Stephen Coulthard. Absolutely. Stephen, I hope you're all enjoying the show. 800 strong, almost uh, over 900 now. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, I said about five minutes in that we had a big announcement. The big announcement is that I am delighted to announce that I'll be joined on stage by Martin O'Neill, and at the end of February at Barra's Art and Design, the ticket link is underneath the video. I know things are tight and things are hard for most people um, out there at the moment, this moment in time, but we are doing live events. We're trying to keep the tickets as affordable as possible because um, there's obviously a lot of overheads on putting this out. But it would be great to see you there. So I'm pretty sure the tickets will go pretty quickly. I am not going to go through a whole hour, Natasha Miko, without talking about the Golden Handball. I've made my my feelings pretty clear on it but I haven't heard your feelings or Jim's penalty all day long as far as I'm concerned what's your thoughts?
4: Yeah of course it is of course it is you as a defender put your hands into that position in the box and the ball hits them that's a penalty as far as I'm aware if the handball rule has changed for what seems like the 100th time this season then someone can enlighten me on that but for me watching football that is a penalty all day every day I really liked what Alistair Johnson had to say on it, that yes, it was one moment that went against us in a football game and there are lots of moments that we were in control of during that football game that we could have done better that would have impacted the result and that was just one of them. But it was one of them. Um, I think it probably did impact the result. Um, And I'm just pretty sick of coming on after most games and talking about VAR or bad decisions again. Um, I didn't want it in the first place. I thought it might turn into this. Its implementation has done nothing to alleviate any concerns that I have had over it. Um, And I think all we can do is hope that the club are are challenging it or asking for transparency or asking for explanations because either my understanding of what a handball is is completely off or that was another handball that's been unfairly adjudicated against us.
3: Yeah. Jim, you had people (laughs) scraping the Q&A section of the website to try and find a reason why it wasn't a handball. Um, What was your take on it, Jim?
5: big moment as I said moments change games and I think uh, I think that could be a big moment in the context of the season because I'm thinking as I said they're nine points going actually, be okay if we don't win the league that's a huge moment in the league because at that point maybe after about 60 minutes or so Mm. we score that and if we score the penalty obviously we win the game we're going to win the game because the the momentum shifts we then have the momentum we're going to win the game I don't understand the rules these days as Natasha says they seem to be changing every, every two minutes. I read something about if you put your hand up to protect your face, that's that's okay. When do we become this soft? You know, if you're a defender, you put any part of your body in front of the ball to try and stop the goal. His hands are above his head, he puts his hands towards the ball. If that's not a penalty, the, I mean one of my bugbears is I hate penalty kicks. I hate sorry, I hate the penalty kick rule. Right? I would I would ban that rule as well. Ban away fans and ban that rule <laughs> because it just causes so much contention
3: mm-hmm.
5: and what you always tend to find is the punishment 90% of the time is more than the crime right you get a free shot to go for 12 yards right and a lot of these penalties that are given somebody's hit the ball with their hand on the byline or somebody's tackled something somebody at the edge of the box and there's like 20 people inside the box they're never going to score a goal so I hate the penalty kick I'll just give it as a fool. and you also get the phrase people say, say to you anybody else in the park that's a fool." <laughs> well, this is anywhere else in the park. It's just there's a big box round it, so it is a penalty kick. It must be a penalty kick. And the thing I'm, I mean, I, I mean, VAR's doing my head in now, and I never thought VAR would be like this. I thought, it, I thought it wouldn't be VAR. It would be VA. Like right? the referee would have video assistance. Yeah. So, and what you, what you tend to find, and also the fact, I mean, I have refereed. Kids game, boys clubs games, up, up to under nineteen, ref doesn't show up, you're on, I'm going to go and referee the game. And if you're refereeing the game, it's a difficult, difficult thing. It's dead easy to sit back. That referee should, that line's should have got that, it's really difficult. Things move quickly, quickly. But what you do know, and what referees know, is sometimes, you know, I give out I'm no sure. I'm not sure about that. I'd like to have another look at that, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Because now the technology is there. If I was John Beaton on Sunday and it was a normal sorry, if it was a normal referee on Sunday, And I was standing where he was standing. I think there might have been a Rangers player between, I think it was Tillman, between him and Golson. So I'm not sure if he actually seen it as clearly as he could have. But all the Celtic players put their hands up. So if I'm John Beaton and that happens, I'd be thinking to myself, I never saw that. I'd love to have some video assistance. Hey, I've got video assistance. Stop the game, guys. Go to the tunnel, look at the monitor, play it back, and have the technology to do that. Because, you know, 25 years ago, this is like science fiction. Imagine, imagine yeah. stopping the game and going over to the side and be able to like stop the game and slow it down to absolutely nothing. Imagine be able to do that. Well, no, you can, you can do that. Don't have somebody else in the studio telling you stuff. You know yourself. You know what? I'm not 100 sure. Stop the game. I'm going to over here, guys. I'm not going to stand and sit at the part of everyone booing me. I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to look at this monitor and I can slow it right down. I got it right. I got it wrong. And that's, to me, what, what, what VA should be, video assistance for the referee, not a video assistant referee, because he's got a different opinion to you. What was the question? Goldson, sorry. All day long and twice on Sunday, and I think if we don't win the league, that's a big moment. That's a huge moment in the season, huge moment.
3: I hope we don't have to come back to this point that you've said that, Jim, but you're right, you're spot on. Um, I've really enjoyed that. It's a different lineup on a Friday. Uh, we've got uh, quite a few of the regulars joining us tomorrow for the game against Kilmarnock. So we'll have our pre match. We'll talk about the lineup and everything else. Tomorrow at the usual time, someone was complaining that we were 30 seconds late before we started today. I'm very sorry. Um, sometimes you get involved in a wee pre-match uh, chat and that's exactly what happened this afternoon. Thanks everybody for joining us you continue to support A Celtic State of Mind if you want to come and see us live the tickets um, are available now, the link is under the video, come and see us interviewing Martin O'Neill. Um, thanks everybody for getting involved, all that's left for me to say is Jim or Natasha Miko. thank you for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind
5: Thanks, cool <laughs>